stay fly. Stay fly. We're going to have some people who are just, you know, what, what's that? Uh, vote blue no matter who. That that type of stuff. You know, some people are just going to be straight blue. Some people going to be straight red. And it's just a narrative of a jogger, an innocent jog- jogger. He wasn't jogging. He wasn't jogging. He was not for a morning stroll or whatever the case was. That was not the case at all. Um, and again, I think, you know, black people are quick to get emotional about stuff like that. Uh, not talk about it later, but you don't see this outcry, this outcry. Listening to the Fly Guy Show. They do everything on the fly and in such a fly manner. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. <laughs> Hey, this is Ernie Thomas here on the Bold School Podcast. You're listening to Psycho Vaughner's Fly Guy Podcast. Support, like, subscribe, and share. He's saying some good things. Share it. Don't keep it to yourself. All right. It's the Fly Guy Show. Peace, beloved. Peace, beloved. I'm Psycho Vaughner, the power broker. The Fly Guy Show is a series of melanated conversations focused on improving our collective conversation. I mean, our, our collective situations. Uh, today I have on the platform with me one of the Fly Guy platformers, Sam. And uh, Sam will introduce himself a little later. And we have a special guest back on the platform with us today, uh, our celebrity chef, <laughs> Jacoby Ponder. Peace, What's peace, up, Ponder? Man. How you doing? Okay, excellent, excellent, excellent. Today we're going to deal with uh, the interesting comments by Sister Candace Owens about the recent situation with the jogger who was killed by um, two residents in uh, in some part of Georgia, exactly which part of Georgia it was in. Um, so yeah, that part's not a man. We all know which part, we know what we're talking about. We all heard about it. It's been on the news a lot lately. She has a really intriguing tweet that really kind of started off a lot of conversation um, and that tweet reads you know Ahmad Aubrey was caught on camera breaking into an unfinished property that was owned by Larry English his mother has confirmed it is him in the video please stop with the just a jogger BS narrative avid joggers don't wear khaki shorts and stop to break into homes um, and Candace has been an intriguing presence in America recently. Uh, you know, she's really kind of been involved with the far right, you know, the conservative right, and she's really been an interesting spokesperson for some of their positions uh, to the degree where at, at oftentimes she's really kind of fallen out of step or maybe out of favor with uh, many melanated people. Um, with some of the things that she says. So let's start with you, Brother Ponder. What do you know about the case? And what are your thoughts very quick? Um, well, you know, peace, peace and love, everybody. Uh, you know, misinformation. You always catch me on Chrome TV. That's how we doing it. But uh, I was kind of saying some of the same stuff myself on Facebook. Um, uh, a partner and I, could you, one second, blue trash can out and close it down, grocery uh, a friend of mine had a discussion and we was we wanted to observe what really happened. Because, you know, oftentimes black America will jump up at arms and they ready to kill Whitey and all kind of stuff as soon as the narrative turns into, 
a white so and so is a white cop, white person with the case of killing an unarmed black man. They, you know, you have the the Black Lives Matter movement. They turn up and then it just becomes it, it becomes an emotional, reactive narrative. Every single scenario, but this scenario to me, uh, my partner and I was looking at it. It it just looked weird. Now the brother did lose his life, and uh, you know, but, uh, very sentimental about the brother losing his life and how he did it. But after everybody calmed down and you go back and watch everything, it's like, what in the hell was he doing out here with shorts on? And I'm from Georgia. In February, this one has happened in January. I'm sorry, February. In February, it's pretty cold out there. So to be outside with a t-shirt and khaki shorts on, that shit seemed crazy to me. And it's just a narrative of a jogger, an innocent jog- jogger. He wasn't jogging. He wasn't jogging. He wasn't out for a morning stroll or whatever the case was. That was not the case at all. Um, and again, I think, you know, black people are quick to get emotional about stuff like that. Uh, and I'll talk about it later, but you don't see this outcry, this outpour when it comes to uh, 17 or so uh, brothers and sisters who got shot in Chicago over the past four or five months. You don't see Black Lives Matter going out and rallying for the lives of blacks who live it, who lose their lives by any color people. Um, so it, it just becomes a crazy narrative, man, where um, people are quick to jump to conclusions and, you know, it, it's all emotional and nobody weighs the evidence. Nobody takes the time to look at it. And like I say, I'm from the state of Georgia and some of the laws that are cited for the state of Georgia or there are no hate crimes in Georgia, unfortunately. You know, uh, and when you right. look at the the statutes and ordinances, which I'm pretty sure nobody has up that particular city that it happened in, you know, it's structured in such a way where if you're on somebody's property illegally, man, they, they got the right to kind of handle you how they want to handle you. Not take your life, but you know, that's just the law. Intriguing, intriguing, uh, because they weren't on the property owned by the killers. Uh, so their point's intriguing. The other thing that you said, man, that was kind of interesting was that Black Lives Matter and that type of group doesn't get involved when it's community upon community violence. And I wonder if we're expecting them to do everything. Black Lives Matter is focused on pretty much two things. They're focused on intersectionality and they're focused on uh, eradicating police overreach. And so when it's not a case of police overreach, it's intriguing to me that some of us jump up and say, where at Black Lives Matter? I'm like, that's that's like going to Wendy's and saying, look, I need to get some toilet paper. You know, it's just not their lane. You know, um, but that's just I think that's kind of intriguing that 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 conversation comes up. Uh, Brother Sam, your thoughts. Oh, God. My thoughts on all of this is. I mean, another black man killed by two men. It's a narrative that we keep hearing over and over and over again. And my thing is, what did he do that was so horrible that he deserved to be gunned down the way he was? Whether he was wearing khaki shorts, whether he was wearing a hoodie or a mask or whatever, what did he do to deserve to be gunned down like that? And the answer is nothing. 
there's nothing that has been shown that he did anything that deserved for him to be gunned down the way he was. And the reason we need organizations like Black Lives Matter is because we need to still rally. We still need to be together. We still need to have our voices be heard because the injustice continues regardless. And we have, unfortunately, people who look like us but don't represent us. We sometimes, unfortunately, fall into that narrative sometimes that we were in a place some people say we shouldn't have been and then all of a sudden our life is extinguished and that's unacceptable you have people I forgot was it in Michigan or someplace who were protesting about we need to reopen those dudes had masks and what I call real guns you won't hear none of them getting shot no one felt afraid no one felt threatened it's always the narrative that comes with us. And I think what has brought this more to the forefront, because I know this happened a lot earlier in the year, but now with social media, these injustices that normally would not have been heard about are not going to be ignored. We can't ignore stuff like this anymore. And we can't go with that narrative that they put on us. So what what he was wearing? What was he doing that was so horrible, that was so despicable, that it deserved for his life to just be ended, just like that? Did he have a bomb? Did he have guns? I mean, I mean, if you let the narrative be heard, it was like, like it was watching some action movie, and he was like, was loaded up, like, and he wasn't. So. For me, it's just one of those things that yet we already going through enough with this COVID-19 and still having to deal with stuff like this is disheartening. And hearing her comments, as always, we get blamed for everything just because we black. Now, I'm not saying that black people don't break the law, but what I'm saying is we automatically get the stigma that we've done something wrong when all we've done sometimes is just exist and breathe. Interesting. 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 Brother Ponder, I know that you had some other thoughts. I got a chance to see some of your other posts. And uh, (laughs) I want you, I really want you to kind of go in on your position because Although I don't necessarily agree with all your points, you know, you and I are interesting. If we were, uh, you know, we're like two sides of of swords, you know, you're one side, I'm the other side, but we both can cut sometimes. Uh, You're just a little sharper than I am, bro. (laughs) uh, I'm I'm, I'm your equal, bro. We're equal, man, on that. (laughs) Hey, man. Understanding, that's all. All right, so you had an interesting point that you pointed, you posted on Facebook, man. What was that point? Uh, which one? I mean, I've, I've posted a lot. Um, and, you know, again, just keeping in contact with the subject with the young man who was uh, uh, murdered uh, down in Georgia. You know, um, again, I have 
my condolences goes out to him, but what we have to do is study, study, the brother kept saying narrative. We have to understand who's controlling the narrative. Who's in charge of that narrative? Who's putting out the narrative? Is it us? Have me or you went down there personally and spoke to people in person? Did we go take out the scene? Or are we taking um, somebody's word for it? You know? What are the chances? Uh, what what do the media gain from um, from the propaganda and how they put it out? You know, we have to study all that stuff to understand that you know whoever, whoever's controlling the narrative controls the minds of the people that's receiving it. So again, once you um, take a look at everything, man, I mean, it just looks weird. Uh, the whole how everything went down and like I explained somebody before if I'm approached or being chased or whatever the case is by two gunmen that I don't know I'm not going to run towards anybody gun I'm not Iron Man, I'm not Superman I'm going to run the opposite way especially if I'm an advocate runner you're not going to catch me, which you're not going to do um, especially if I run a lot um, I'm going to run back the way I came not towards you, I'm not running towards nobody with no goddamn shotgun or any kind of weapon for that matter. I'm not going to try to wrestle anybody down. You know, what is my thought process rushing somebody with a gun when there's another person behind me with another gun? The whole scene itself, um, it, it just looked weird. And I think more will come out um, over the next couple of weeks about what really happened, what took place. <clears throat> um, and then the fact that I think we're all waiting like villagers with the pitchforks and the fire and you know, kill Whitey and all this kind of crazy stuff when we're going to find out that justice will take its course uh, and I don't think they will be charged with murder at all. And this is, for me, for me, it's not about a black and white thing. No, I, don't even, I don't even subscribe to crayon people, so um, I just see humans out there acting crazy, so um, I, don't, I don't subscribe to the whole white-black situation, so but we have to take a look at everything, man. you know what I mean? And, you know, the brother didn't he didn't deserve to be killed like that but again I'm speaking to something I'm speaking to something is where's this same outcry where's this same outpour where's this same necessary um hurry for for for, for law uh when it comes to black on black crime and if black lives matter brother black lives matter period it don't matter you know every civic organization need to be involved in black lives matter if that's really the case NAACP and Rainbow Coalition, whatever, because they represent us um, at large. So when we see Black Lives Matter, even before a cop shoots a brother, why aren't they in the community already, you know, talking to the brothers and giving something positive to do? Just, just change the narrative altogether. It's not me blaming anybody. It's that we need to take responsibility for ourselves and our own actions, man. Stop with the victim, um, the victimship. We always plan. See, that's what I Well, I don't disagree that the uh, the victim situation is something that's been a problem recently, but I do take issue with expecting the Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter organization. It's an organization, you know, and the problem is people just use the hashtag or they use the term Black Lives Matter. Well, if Black Lives Matter, all Black Lives Matter, but the Black Lives Matter organization is focused on two primary things, police overreach, and intersectionality, uh, intersectionality, and so those are the two focuses. But we just want simply because we're able to be, you know, linguistics use the term on everything. Uh, the NAACP, the Urban League, the YMCA, all of these organizations have been working to end community crime 
for decades. So for us to say uh, these other groups weren't involved, uh, if you're going to say, well, the problems are long-standing, then you're right. How have they done this? How, 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 what are some policies, statutes, or ordinances have they put in place? Who have they lobbied into position in office to to help um, curtail the violence in the community? Because, you know, violence and and, and, uh, crime is only related to education and and job disparity. So we can't come here saying that they came in They've been going on since the freaking 60s, man, with this civil rights stuff with black people. It needs to be a human rights issue, not civil rights. Um, you know, begging, begging at the table for a mask for a few crumbs, uh, a, a few liberties or some permission slips to go do some crazy shit. And then once they infringe upon our uh, permission, then we go to screaming civil rights, civil rights, civil rights. You know, if these organizations have and civil rights been around for a long time, by the way, I'll point that out to listen to audience mm-hmm. since at least 1778, the Christmas addicts. He was the first civil rights movement. Uh, mover along with Prince Hall, who all Methodist preachers at the time for black liberation back in the 1700s. So let's not act like civil rights just came about in the 60s with Dr. Martin Luther King. Well, but those are the, two different things, bro. No, that. No, that. I mean, no, they're, they're related. Yes, they're related. Yes, they're related. But liberation and civil rights are two different things. Civil rights were started in the 1700s. Not only for the liberation, but for the mistreatment of color folks, they say back then in the 1700s. This is, this is way prior to you, man. Go check them out. That's neither here or there. The point is, these civil organizations need to do more in the community, man. And if Black Lives Matter, it should matter 365 all year round, not just when some white person kill a black person. Here they come with, with, the, with the pitchforks and the uh, the damn fire and the tiki torches and the and the nooses, you know. And if, you, if nobody's paying attention, anytime a... Uh, so-called white person or European has inflicted injury or death upon an unarmed black person. It's always a civil case. If and, and I'm feeling what y'all feeling, brother. Like you know, I, I have I have sympathy, empathy. I empathize with the situation. Why haven't there been a, a human rights argument raised yet? Where's the human rights? Because you can't treat humans like this. You can't continue to shoot and kill humans like this. But it's always a civil case because we only have civil organizations that step in for civil rights. And none of us have taken the time to understand what's the difference between civil rights and rights against humanity. And we're not humans. That's why they keep doing this. And, and they will get off. They will get off. They'll get off because it's, it's a civil case. It's not yeah, criminal. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, they're going to get off because the system is set up to protect certain people. Oh, come on. They were, they were former law enforcement. They were former law enforcement. The fact that it took 75 days, 75 days, like for instance, ponder, if you and I got into a uh, a argument and in the argument, it turned into a fight and one of us got shot, within three days, one of us would be in custody. All right, within three days, and that's one of the issues that people have when we, they get upset when we have problems with um, certain groups because it appears that it takes longer if it ever happens for some people to deal with the justice system and it happens so quickly with other groups you know one of the reasons that people don't have to go up in arms when there's community violence you know people want to use the term black on black violence I don't but when there's community violence is because normally when there's community violence within a week the perpetrator and the person, the victim, they're already dealt with. It happens within a week normally. 
many cases within two days, 48 hours. But for 75 days, and in other cases that have gone in, in the really public awareness, it's taken longer than 75 days. And it's not 75 days just because of these stay-at-home pandemic closures. It was 75 days because somebody sat on it for a while, and then they recluse, recluse themselves. Someone else sat on it. They recluse themselves. Yeah. And then somebody said, hey, we really have to take uh, – look, am I wrong? No, no. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm letting the get brother talk also, but there, there's over 65 unsolved cases of black-on-black crime, a community-on-community crime, unsolved for years. The most, and I got stats. <laughs> the longest, the longest-standing cases over 13 years old, unsolved cases. So we can't say okay. for five days whatever the case is. Um, again, I'm gonna use places like Chicago and hell, it was Little Rock, Arkansas for for a while. And in Los Angeles, where a lot of these communities did not get cases solved, you know, because of the black community. First of all, there's no snitch clause. You know, can't tell nobody. I mean, it can't be a rat. And uh, just secondly, that there was no cooperation from the community to bring about the justice. So there, there are more cases of black on black crimes that went longer, way longer. Again, what you guys should do, take a look at this, is the political seats, the political seats in that particular town. Right. This is all political. Anytime a political party or uh, 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 anybody can use a new story or situation to gain or increase or bring into place a public policy, they use to their advantage. So let's yes. take a look at who's in that town. Who's the mayor of the town? Who's the governor of Georgia? What's the what, what, what's, what's the laws? You said that the system is set up certain people, but these people are going to town hall meetings. They're showing up. They're voting. They're getting, making stuff happen in these particular cities and towns. And the black population, unfortunately, not enough of us go out, you know, to, to uh, enforce change policy, man. We can't keep I, saying I do it. agree with you on that. Brother Sam, you yeah. here, Ponder and I, you know, kind of chatting it up a little bit, man. What are your thoughts I'm on still, what Ponder I'm, I'm, I'm still here. I, I'm listening. I'm taking it all in. I, I'm going to say this. When it comes to our community, sometimes we're the most disparaging, more than anybody else. We hold ourselves to a standard that is so high. We expect ourselves to, or us as collective, to do and be everything that we can. Here's the thing. We can't ignore the racial injustice in this country. We can't ignore that. We can't ignore the fact that racism and prejudice, especially towards us, exists in every faucet of this society. We cannot act like it does not make it harder for us to breathe, let alone do anything else in this country. So I understand what you're saying about Black Lives Matter and NAACP and all of that. That's true. But you need all these organizations because just in general, we have to organize and do what we need to do. Black Lives Matter is important and they do good work. But we can't make one organization be responsible for the be all end all. The thing about it is I feel our problem as a community, we buy into that whole black on black crime type of mentality, like white people don't shoot each other. Like people of other ethnicities worldwide 
don't. But we sit up here and say, we the problem, we do this, we the problem. Nah, I'm not going to buy that. I'm not going to buy into that. Now, some of us do certain things. And yeah, you can put yourself in a situation where you get hemmed up. And sometimes you can just be an innocent bystander. The problem is, if we ignore racism and prejudice in this country and act like it doesn't exist, we do ourselves a disservice. Now, I agree on one point. Not every situation is racial. Not every situation is. But when you understand that black people have been targeted, lynched, raped, etc., for years and years and years and years, it is hard for us not to look at a situation like this and go, that was racist. But it's not every situation that is, and I agree with you on that. But I do think that we can't ignore the fact of racism in this country. We can't ignore the fact that color exists and that people look down upon us and treat us as less than and talk to us like we're less than when we're not. We can't ignore that fact. And if we ignore that fact, then I believe we buy in and become part of the problem ourselves. Okay, okay. All right, so you're listening to the Fly Guys show, the Fly Guys podcast. It's a series of melanated conversations focused on improving our situation. Tonight, we're dealing with uh, Candace Owens, the jogger who was murdered. Is she cray-cray? You know, <laughs> we're going to get a little into that. And we're going to kind of end by saying, what should our response be? You know, what should our response be? If everything that Ponda said is true, if everything that Sam said is true, you know I'm right exactly. <laughs> if everything I say is true, what should our response, and I said that jokingly, all right, what should our response be? So, uh, Brother Ponder, man, uh, I like Candace Owens. First of all, she's dropped there gorgeous. All right. Um, uh, I love an intelligent sister, too, man. So um, when I first started listening to Candace, it must have been about four years ago. And this is when she first got involved with Turning Point USA. And politically, you know, I'm independent. You know, politically, I'm independent. So when I listened to her and she talked about how the Democrats have messed up the quote-unquote so-called black community. But I was like, yeah, okay, okay, I understand what you're saying, I understand what you're saying. We were saying this back in 1995, sis, but I'm rocking with you, I'm listening to you. And But then, to me, she seems like her solution is to leave the Dems and go straight to the Repubs. And I just don't see where either side has truly acted in our collective benefit, you know? So, uh, but Brother Ponder, I know that you are somewhat of a fan of Candace as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on Sister Candace? Well, I'm, I'm not gonna call myself a, a fan of the sister. I mean, you know, she makes some, uh, a lot of valid points um, when she's dealing with politics and, and uh, she knows the government, um, you know, policies and procedures and, you know, seats and she know her stuff man she doesn't know her stuff and I, I don't think enough of us even understand uh, what a democrat or republican is um, I think uh, the black community at large see republicans as white people and democrats as black people whoever is holding that narrative it couldn't be uh, 
far from the truth is, you know, that's just not true. Uh, take a look at history. Uh, the majority of African-Americans were, were Republicans. Okay. And we have to understand what the Republic stands for and what is a Republic and what, what is the job of the Republicans and then understand what the demo system is or the Democrat system. Like, I, I don't, I don't think we understand that uh, fully. And until we do, you know, uh, anytime we see a sister like Ken is uh, arguing for the Republican party or, or, you know, for, for the liberals, it's going to appear weird to us because she's not talking what we're used to hearing when it comes to the uh, Democrat Party. But the sister made, made a great point, man. And the fact that she support Trump, um, that's her prerogative. She, she support Trump. And she gives you her reasons why she support Trump. Under President Trump, there have been uh, the lowest uh, rate of unemployment for black Americans. Uh, actually, minimum wage has increased. I mean, there's about six to seven things, you know, directly. He uh, had had pardoned a couple of brothers from prison. Um, you've never seen that happen under a black president, under Obama. Um, and I am comparing Obama to the Trump administration. Uh, Trump is giving you truth. Nobody wants to hear the truth. When this guy is in the office telling you about fake news and uh, Pizzagate and Obamagate and all these different scandals, what's going on. Nobody wants to hear the brother out, man. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear him out. We call him brother. Nobody wants to hear him out, you know. And I'm not a support yeah. of, 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 of no politician, but when you when you stack up the facts, hold on. You stack up the facts and compare what Trump has done for the black community at large in comparison to what uh, Barris Rento, I mean, uh, Barack Obama had did for the black community at large. You know, uh, Trump's, you know, he Trump Obama. Trump, Trump Obama when it comes to uh, things uh, for the black community. And one more other thing, we're talking about police violence and uh, white on black crime and ETC. Uh, more unarmed black men were killed under the watch of Obama. And Obama didn't do shit. I mean, not one thing. He didn't put not one policy in place, not one statute, not one ordinance, not one law. Anything was put in place for the killing of unarmed black people during the two-term uh, administration of Obama. So, you know, we have to kind of right, right. take a look at everything, man. Well, I, I take that in consideration now in terms of, you know, you mentioned the employment rate. The employment rate has gone up for the last 10 years. So it includes part of the time under President Obama and uh, we can really say that uh, President Trump took a good thing and improved upon it. So uh-huh. I'm not saying that, you know, I, I can't take anything away from it, but that em- the employment numbers were going up under the last term of President Obama. And I'm not necessarily an Obama fan. So let, let me pull that uh-huh. off the side. You're right. Politically, that, you know, we kind of expected him to do and that weren't done that would have truly benefited us in terms of policy. But I will say this. In politics, I've learned that it's truly the squeaky wheel that gets the oil. So if you don't push forth an agenda, then you can't expect the politician to act on the agenda because the politicians have to act on whatever is in their face. So whatever's in their face, they have to act on. And if we're not in their face saying, hey, we need this, we need this, we need this. Oh, you promised this, you didn't give us this, 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 this. If we're not in their face, because if you look, man, the people who supported any of the presidents, any of the senators, any of the congressmen, they're in their face. That's why they have lobbyists. That's one of them they have lobbyists. When you're in your face, you can get things done. I want to say collectively, people of African and 
African descent in America, commonly called black people, didn't lobby as effectively as other groups did. Did not lobby as effectively as other groups did. So like our LGBTQIA brothers and sisters, they lobbied very strongly and they were able to get some things done under, uh, you know, under Obama's presidency. Uh, there were some other groups who got some things done under, but those of us who just kind of sitting back and saying, yeah, he know what to do. He know what to do. Then no politician is going to get anything done. Now, in terms of President Trump's policies, he's done some really pro-business policies that have been good for the business in America, which has benefited us secondarily but he didn't do anything for us so obama didn't do anything for us president trump hadn't done anything for us uh president clinton president bush one and two hadn't done anything for us and we haven't asked for anyone to do anything for us so you know i understand yeah there's some things that could have happened under president obama's tenure that didn't happen and you're right uh the all those cases that really came to the forefront where there were police overreach and there was very little done yeah that that yeah, that definitely happened under the brothers watch um but i think once you take everything in consideration you know people tout the employment numbers but the employment numbers have been going up for 10 years people tout the great economy that we're in but the great economy has been going up for the last eight years president trump's been in um position for three years he's taken something good and he's made it better and that's one good thing i would say about a person with his background as a developer he takes something and he makes it more valuable. Now, there's some political things that we really shouldn't be celebrating with President Trump, but there's political things we shouldn't celebrate with any anybody who's been in office currently or in the past, possibly in the future. Uh, that's just my soapbox. Brother Dan, man, uh, what are your thoughts, man? Me, this has been a great talk. Because but this is this is what we need. We need that dialogue on all sides, all different points of view. And I agree with you with a lot of things that you all said. But I mean, as far as business goes, that's what you do. You don't reinvent the wheel when it comes to business. You take a model, you take out a few things here, blah, 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 flip it a little bit. And then you go, bam, look what I did. I mean, that's what you do. So I mean, that's I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, but but that's business too. Business, you don't ever try to right. reinvent the wheel. You see what your competitors are doing, and you see if you can do one, two, three little things. Bam, bam, bam! Look what I did. I made something different. I made something better. That, that's what you do. I mean, administrations, yeah, there's something else. I just feel like overall. I do agree with you all. We do need to lobby more. We do need to get our agendas out there. But we also, too, have to be more of an advocate for ourselves. And I think as a community, I feel that sometimes we don't do it enough. But overall, okay. like we're, we're moving in a direction. There's still work that needs to be done overall as far as community. But I do feel that there are a lot of us out here who are doing great things. And when it comes to politics, 
the truth of the matter is, don't nobody do nothing unless there's an incentive or they got pressure to do something. So I agree with you on that. If we're not applying pressure, if we're not saying we need these things, and that's why I know people were mad about Diddy when he was on Naomi Campbell's little show she does. I forgot if it was on IG or another little platform. And he was like, look, if Biden isn't going to push our agenda, we need to withhold our vote. A lot of people were mad. A lot of people were upset. And I agree with you. Some people say, well, automatically Democrats are pro-black and Republicans are anti-black. And I'm like, you can't look at it black and white. We live in this country. Money talks, period. Green is the truest color in this country above all else. People say what they want to, but white people will turn on another one for some more money. Black people do the same thing too. Money pushes and drives everything in this country. I mean, when I'm looking now at CNBC and I'm looking at other stuff, I'm trying to tell you, I'm looking at these companies that don't need money from the government, these money, these companies that have all this liquidity, they're going to be the next policymakers. And Amazon is up there primed to be the number one. Okay, okay. Hey, so look, uh, this is the Fly Guys show we deal with melanated conversations focused on improving our situation. One of the things that I thought was kind of intriguing, Brother Ponder, is you brought up the use of the term black and the term citizen in one of your posts. I think you hopefully remember what post you're talking about. Uh, I know you're one of the, uh, you know, one of the Morris brothers who eschews the term Negro, black, colored, uh, Ethiopian, you know, (laughs) with all the other terms that go along with it. Uh, So, are you one who believes that if we stop using those terms and only use the term Morris, possibly, or maybe melanated, or maybe both in conjunction, uh, that we would stop having some of these issues? Because I've heard people, you know, promoting that that dialogue, and that, I always find that intriguing. Uh, I leave it at that. I find it intriguing. <laughs> uh, what says you, brother? Uh-huh. Nah, I don't think by changing your title uh, will it's going to relieve you of any uh, injustice. You, you have social injustice going on throughout the world. Um, South Africa, Russia, Poland, everywhere. Um, Germany at one point in time. It's always a social injustice case against humanity, you know. Um, so by, by, by unlabeling ourselves, um, that title won't, you know, preserve us in any kind of way. Like it's not going to rescue us in any kind of way. Uh, but we do have to understand a couple of things. The terms uh, black, negro, and colored, and later in the 1980s by Jesse Jackson, African-American, these are all terms given to slaves by slaveholders in 1776. Um, we, have, we have to divest ourselves of that, those colloquial misnomers, first of all. Then we'll be recognized amongst the nations of the of the earth as a people. You know that's why it's so easy to kill a so-called black person, get away with it. And I think the first publication they put out, they said two armed citizens killed an unarmed black man, and they made a distinction. They were on code. Yeah, they, they, they're on code. They they, they were on code, but nobody caught that because nobody knows what a citizen is. Um, and a citizen, of course, the Black Laws Dictionary, which is a dictionary that most um, lawyers use, uh, whatever case, um, and ignorance of the law is no excuse either. So if you look up the word citizen, 
it tells you it applies to a member, a member of a society or political community, right? That's what a citizen is. And then you look at the Dred Scott case where it tells you that anybody of African descent will never be considered to be a citizen. See, black people in America are only residents. And remember, the residents down in New Orleans were displaced for uh, quite a while and they called them refugees. And no, the light bulb never went off to ask yourself, well, why are they calling these black people in New Orleans refugees? Uh, because look at what a refugee is. A refugee, a citizen would never be called a refugee. A citizen is protected by the rights of that state. The state protects the citizen. The community protects the citizen. And that's why you see such a huge outcry and outpour and a huge support uh, for the for the two Europeans who uh, shot the brother because they are members of the community. And it's typically what you hear uh, white people say, you know, I'm a tax paying citizen. But they're saying I'm a dues paying member of this community. You know, I have certain rights, I have a voice. And in most cases, in most urban areas, they know that black people don't pay taxes. Um, so if you're not a tax paying member, you're not a dues paying member, you don't have a voice, unfortunately. You don't have anything to say. Uh, so automatically you become a civil case. Uh, if there's a law broken or an infraction against a citizen uh, in, in whatever capacity, it's typically carried as a criminal suit. But when it comes to black folks, it's always civil. Civil. Let me explain the civil rights to real quick, people. Uh, so let's say one day I tell you, you can go outside every Thursday at 3 o'clock. And then one Thursday, I block the door. <laughs> and you get upset, okay. and you protest, and you march, and you bitch, and you rant, and you rave, and you, you know, kick the wall, and you a tantrum. Uh, because I took away your privilege or your permission slip to go outside, right? And that's all civil rights are. That's why the Constitution had to be amended. <laughs> the amendment of the Constitution uh, created a uh, 13, 14, and 15 um, person called a citizen. Uh, black people are citizens under those amendments only, and you're only uh, entitled to certain liberties. And that's why the social injustice continues to, to run rapid. And then we label it as uh, racism. Um, and it's, it's not necessarily racism if you understand what a racist is. And I think that uh, all people of every ethnicity should become racist. Um, and let me explain that. Uh, if you look at a, a racist... I agree. A racist, if you take the suffix of the word racist, um, and the IST implies the person has a love for something, and it, it, it lets you know that I'm an advocate piano player, I'm a pianist. You see that? If I'm an advocate mm-hmm. uh, in science, I love science, I become a scientist. Uh, if I love my race only, I become a racist. And being a racist is not necessarily a supremacist, because I don't subscribe to white supremacy. That implies black inferiority. Uh, and we know we know history, so we'll leave it at that. Um, so okay. as racism, racist, we have to take a look at the political structure of each community. You know, why is it that most black people live in live in the hood? You know, where did the neighbors go? It used to be a neighborhood. All the neighbors moved out. So that's just the hood. You know, why do we seem so displaced across the globe uh, socially and politically? You know, why don't we have our seat at the table? Why are we at the table in these talking? You know, so we have to just understand all that stuff, man. All right, all right. So you know, we're at the 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 closing fifteen minutes of our show. Uh, this is the Fly Guys show where we have a series of melanated conversations focused on improving our situation. We have the good brother, Jacoby Pine in the house. 
uh, he always brings that heat, man. That more science heat. I have my good brother, beloved cousin Sam in the house. He always brings that um, just a regular type of vibe, uh, uh, an awakened regular type of guy vibe. Let me put it that way. Um, so we we kind of skirted around Candace. So I guess you know she's not that big of a deal. You know, interestingly enough, uh, you know. You said about Candace uh, Ponder. You said that uh, I like it. Yeah, she speaks with truth, with truth, and black people hate truth. I thought that was intriguing when you said that. Uh, that, that was a private conversation. Hope you didn't mind me making that public. Um, no, but so fine. the ending of this is how do we how do we progressively move from here? Because this situation is going to happen again. You know, it just happened with a young sister who was killed by. The police, yeah, I can't uh-huh. think of what area that was in. Yeah. So this is going to happen again. What should the community response be? Brother Sam, Cousin Sam, what should the community response be when a similar situation like this happens? The community response is, I think you all brought up good points. I do think that part of the problem, or I want to call it a problem, but a lot of times, I guess, since I bring the regular slash awoken person perspective, we don't know enough about laws and about words and sometimes enough about our history because we too preoccupied with, I won't say meaningless things, but sometimes when life is tough, you don't focus on those other things. I do feel that as black people, it is our responsibility, like the brother said, to learn about laws, to learn more about what's going on in our community and make informed decisions. I do agree. We should never be rash to call something a racist, prejudice, anything. But we can't act like that doesn't exist in this country. But what we should do moving forward is all really kind of have, we need to have more of a collective mindset instead of an individual mindset. And I do believe that slavery, all of these things have played a part in us sometimes having that disjointed type of mentality. But we really do have to have more of that mentality that where I end, you begin. Because if we don't feel that connection, we always want to say certain things are not our problem. It's not our issue, but it is. Because just because it hasn't affected you today doesn't mean it won't be your problem tomorrow. Intriguing, intriguing, intriguing. Okay, uh, brother Ponder, brother Ponder, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit back and let you breathe. You know, let let that knowledge breathe for a moment, man. What do you think we need to do as a community to address the forthcoming similar issues that are you know, the forthcoming similar issues? Uh, well, you know, the first thing, like I spoke on before, is we need to hold ourselves accountable in the community. Stop looking at outwork and other people uh, always been, you know, the ones who control our destinies and our faith and understand that we have the ability to control our own narrative uh, within a community, but first we have to set a presence uh, in our community, like any other community, go to Chinatown or any uh, Polish town or Germantown, any, anywhere in America, um, you will see a, a community collective, you know, um, and that's just something that has not been taught or practiced in the black community within a long time. Um, 
you know, we used to have that. So let's let's not, you know, think that uh, black people can't stick together and come together in the community and build because that wouldn't be true. Um, I think recently, like your brother said earlier, you know, we got our focus on different things. You know, you have your pocket of individuals who focus on chasing the bag. You have a population who's, you know, <laughs> focus on uh, being seen and, you know, the blitz and glamour. And there's no collective thinking for the generations ahead of us, you know. Um, and I and I can be candid and go back and blame a generation from the 70s to the 80s. Uh, of course, we had some uh, distractions in the 80s with crack cocaine. So you have a generation of the 80s babies, that's myself, uh, onto the 90s who, you know, never uh, got handed down the instructions on how to keep the community together. So, you know, we went off on a tangent doing our own thing. Now that we're older, uh, late 30s, early mid 40s, a lot of us are now taking notice like, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This ain't fair, you know, but I think responsibility falls on us to teach the future generations uh, on how to maintain the community, you know, and that's, will it happen? Who knows? Who knows what will happen? I, I don't know. I, I think these, again, these civic organizations uh, ought, ought to be held liable uh, for a lot of these things. I know you was excusing the All Black Lives Matter movement, saying they only have two parts to their agenda, and I don't agree with that. If you're going to you're gonna you're gonna choose to, to identify with the collective being called black. Then the people of that nature, black people, uh, if you're gonna use our words and our names to identify your organization, you can hold you accountable for every damn thing. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, if you don't like that, then go choose another name. Um, but don't call it Black Lives Matter. And those words echo to a standard of all lives matter but especially black lives what 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 makes a black life matter outside of social injustice you know you have equal opportunity in the workplace you have uh, education again we're looking to share the workplace with white people we're, we're looking to share the, the, the school system with the white people and ask for a, a fair shake why don't these civic organizations get together uh, and, and, and build our own institutions of learning why can't we have our own schools Let's build our own communities. Build our own communities, put our brothers patrolling our streets, and then a lot of stuff will stop. A lot of it will stop. Not said overnight, but a lot of it will stop if we take responsibility as a collective and control our own narrative, man. That's it. Control our own narrative and hold our people responsible. Much so like, you know, uh, the Black Panther Party, man, um, done a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff without even using politics. They just organize in the community, you know. You know, they installed the WIC program, which is still utilized today. But they did a lot of stuff without being involved with politics and mainstream media. They just got together, and made it happen. So I think bringing the mentality back to the community, like we have to do for ourselves. And this was a teaching that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us that we got to do for ourselves, man. Like that's it. Stop playing victims and stop acting like people are all against us and. We're more against ourselves and more divided than anything. Intriguing, intriguing. Uh, okay, 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 okay. I think that uh, a focus on empowerment for the next few years, the next decade, is going to be our solution. Um, we had a comment. Let me bring that comment up. I thought it was kind of intriguing. This brother is better informed. He sounds like an educated and reasonable black man. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So, the salute to you, Ponder. <laughs> the salute to you, Ponder. 
uh, he also said that the middle brother sounds like an alien. So I, I, I'm assuming he's saying that, uh, <laughs> you know, what you're saying seems so out of space that maybe, uh, uh, okay, all right. He also says we need to denounce people like Candace. So that's what he's saying that we need to do moving forward. Uh, you know what? We do need to put up, put people in check, uh, and not necessarily destroy people, not go out on a limb and hurt people, demean people. But all right, this is what I think we need to do, and I've, I've talked about it for, I guess, the last year or so, the last two years. I think we need to focus on an agenda of empowerment, and you know, those are the things I think we need to do: obtain the right to vote, become informed, and create an agenda. Group your vote with others, make demands with your vote, and withhold your votes until demands are met. So, and interestingly enough, I think there's going to be a couple of groups. There are going to be some people who like, I ain't voting. All right, cool. Go ahead and get the right to vote so when you don't vote, it means something. There are going to be some people like myself who are like, you know, I'm an independent, I want to go for the agenda. So those of us like that, we need to put forth the agenda, which will be coming out, I think, in June. And measuring all of the candidates up by those agendas, supporting those who uh, support the agenda and forcing those who don't support the agenda to go after and start supporting the agenda. We're going to have some people who are just, you know, what was that? Uh, vote blue no matter who. That that type of stuff. You know, some people are just going to be straight blue. Some people going to be straight red. Okay. So those people need to push their parties just look at our agenda and start embracing some of those pieces to them. They may actually have a better ear to those politicians and those seated politicians and those candidates. And then there are going to be some of us who really can't vote. You know, it might be because of, uh, you know, legal reasons or, you know, maybe they're new to the country or whatever the case is. All right. So, yeah, I think, you know, when I asked, you know, what I think we should do, I think we need to get on that. And that's a political part of the empowerment agenda. The other part of the political, I mean, the empowerment agenda, Brother Ponder, I want you to tap in at the end because I think part of it is we're going to make sure that we use our resources, our political resources. I just described it in a way that empowers us. We're going to use our financial resources in a way that empowers us. We want to use our nutritional resources in a way that empowers us. And I want to definitely want to make sure you tap into that, Brother Ponder, because you're excellent in that area, how we can make sure that nutrition empowers us. Our spiritual power, our spiritual resources need to be used towards empowerment. So if your house of worship is not focused on empowerment, you might need to push your house of worship towards empowerment. Or find a better house that's going to empower you. And our attention. We need to make sure that our attention is focusing on things that will empower us. You know, Black AF was fun to watch, but it's not going to empower us. Mm. So it might be good for a nice little release and we can sit back and laugh. And, you know, there were some things about it um, that maybe we should discuss. But... We need to make sure that a lot of our attention is focused on things that will empower us. And once we're focused on empower, empowerment, when these types of things happen, we're going to be empowered enough to deal with it without just marching. Marching is part of the solution, but it's not the entirety of the solution. You know, it wasn't the entirety of the solution in the 60s, in the 70s. It wasn't the entirety of the solution. You know, so um, those are the things I think we need to do. Those things I think we need to do. Brother Ponder and Brother Sam, I'm going to let you guys have the last words. Brother Ponder, last words. 
Uh, well, you know, I agree with, with what you're saying. Um, I definitely think the uh, black community at large need to um, aggregate a lot of our resources, a lot of our, um, a lot of our uh, votes, and um, hold whoever the political candidate is, whether it's a, a local mayor, governor, uh, state senator, uh, president, vice president, um, hold them to an agenda like you stated. Like, let's get together and put an agenda. And, and it's, again, it's one of my, my practice complaints with these these so-called uh, Negro leads. I can't believe they call it Negro leads in 2020, but um, these, <laughs> these, these, they call it Negroes. Um, but um, these civically, civic organizations that are for the black community, why don't they get together, uh, you know, two, three years prior to uh, election season and we put forth our own candidate? Like, you know, we're being made to choose from what's given to us, as if to say, if you go into a shopping mall and you look in a shoe store, you feel like you have a right, you have a lot to choose from, but you only choose from what they're giving you. You know, so we only have, we only can choose what they're giving us. I know it was a big um, uh, conversation over Hillary Clinton or uh, that other candidate at the time, uh, when it consideration for nomination for president. And, you know, black people looked up and didn't see anybody black. Like, well, maybe we just go with Hillary, you know. Uh, why go with Hillary? Because the black community at large considered Bill Clinton to be the first black president. Um, and more brothers were incarcerated under Bill Clinton. Absolutely. With, so, with so the help with Joe Biden. We have to stop getting so excited and making these uh making these immature uh, or just these, these these leap decisions on hope. We all have hope. We've been hoping since the 80s. Um, Marcus since the 60s. You know, it's time for a different strategy. Um, and like you said earlier, if they don't want to support uh, us at large, we hold our vote. You know, you don't get shit. Nobody. Yep. Mayor, uh, sheriff, uh, judge, nobody gets our votes. And uh, you, you want to see some stuff start turning up and start making moves. And, and that's what the LGBTQ community did, you know. They aggregated together and they had an agenda and then when it got shit done, you know, you, you got to respect that. Um, they even uh, uh, even put uh, certain political people in place for them to be their stronghold when it comes to certain laws and discrimination acts. Whatever you haven't heard in any discriminate discriminatory acts against uh, LGBT community in quite a while, you know, to the point where it made mainstream media. Um, because they have had uh, now they got laws and, and statutes and ordinances against that kind of stuff, hate crimes. You know, go worldwide for them. Why haven't we got a hate crime agenda together for us as a people? Because we're waiting yeah. for somebody to save us. It's that savior. Yeah, and that's <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, candidate Biden. You know, former Vice President Biden said that he was going to make the LGBT agenda his first priority Absolutely. when he runs. And I thought that was uh, so so. Hey, it shows that when a group empowers itself, people respect the empowerment. People really respect the empowerment. Um, oh, but I want to say this real quick, man. It's not the, it's not the agent. It's the agenda. So it's not the person. It's not the candidate. It's the agenda we should be pushing. So, it, 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 ponder if you ran for office, I want to say, yo, do you support this agenda? Because if you don't support the agenda, I love you, brother. I leave my family in your hands, you know, because I trust you that much. But it's not the agent, it's the agenda. And let me get off my soapbox very quickly. Brother Sam, closing remarks, man. At the end of the day, what you all talking about with the community is true. 
But what we all got to do is we got to get our money up. Because if you're distracted by not having enough money, you don't care about what's going on in politics. No matter what agenda organization stuff is pushed in this country, money talks and bullshit walks. So when you see companies, or not companies, organizations, I'm sorry, like the Human Rights Campaign and others, they have strong backings and they have a whole lot of money. And I'm going to tell you this, people may not agree with you, people may not like you, but people like and want your money. So <laughs> black people, period. That's why for me, my question is personal finance. Because if we don't get our money up, and we don't get to a place where we're stable and have more disposable income and come together with our agenda, no one gives a damn what we say. But when you come with that money, everybody listens. Point blank, period. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to end with saying this, man. We talked about, well, I've pushed the idea of an agenda and the agenda is actually being made. So if you're in, um, if you're a follower Jay Slack, you know, the Black Authority, um, Professor Black Truth, Tariq Nasheed. In June, they're doing the National Black America Conference, which is looking to put together an agenda that they're going to be pushing forward. Um, the t- Antonio Moore and Yvette Carnell of um, ADOS, they have an agenda they're working on. You might want to check that out. I'm involved with a group that's working on the empowerment agenda. We're going to be releasing that in July, so look out for that. But the agendas are being made because agendas are what we need to stand on. So you've been listening to the Fly Guy Show. I'm the power broker, your man Seiko. I was honored to have from Chrome TV the Minister of Information, Brother Jacoby Ponder. So you can always check out Crumb TV on YouTube, uh, on Facebook as well. You're going to find a lot of great information. You're going to find this good brother on Crumb TV. You'll find him on my show from time to time. But if you really want to see him go crazy, if you want to see him, you know, get it in, if you really want to see him make that work, you got to check him out on Crumb TV on YouTube, all right? And so, and Sam, Sam is one of the platformers here on the Fly Guy Show. You'll be seeing him pop up from time to time. I actually just released some old videos that we did, Sam. So you're going to start seeing some of his stuff on there as well, man. Sam is cray cray. He was really calm today. He was really I'm calm today. Calm. So go out there and Because he's always calm. <laughs> always calm. Peace, beloved. Peace, beloved. Seiko Von and Power Broke. I had a great conversation yesterday on the Fly Guy Show with good brother Ponder and our cousin Sam, and we dealt with a couple of contexts. Uh, well, not context, but we dealt primarily with Candace Owens and her tweets and her Facebook message on Ahmad Aubrey, and I wanted to uh, kind of develop a conversation. A lot of people are saying that Candace is totally bonkers. She's cray-cray. She doesn't speak for us. There are a few of us who are saying she speaks extremely well for us and more of us need to listen to her. Some people are calling her a traitor. I'm going to to promote the, the concept that she could be a traitor. She could be a translator. What I mean by translator is she might 
well, she actually the last few years, she's acted in a way that translate the values and the opinions of the majority power brokers in our country. So those who are making some of those decisions that are really not in our favor, she's been able to speak for them. And truthfully, I don't think we need her to speak less. I think we need her to speak more because then we can really start developing some of the rebuttals and getting a better idea of what we're facing as we're pushing this empowerment agenda. You know, in her video on Facebook, you know, she mentioned that he was dressed in khakis and what avid jogger would wear khakis. Now, if we would say something like, you know, what um, that a woman's dress led to her, I mean, made it easier, made it acceptable, you know, understandable that they were attacked. You know, we'd be crazy. <laughs> you couldn't get away with that. You know, couldn't say that. Um, or a man's dress for that instance. But it's kind of implying that his attire proved that he wasn't innocent. And the interesting thing is, that's the way that some of the power brokers in this country think. Um, so we need to take her information and say, hmm, okay, now, now I understand. All right, and then we can promote the argument that somebody's attire does not, does not make them this or make them that. She pushes the argument that when these types of things happen, there's a great outcry from the so-called black community. And there's not a similar outcry when there's community violence. And uh, I brought this up yesterday. Um, the reason that there isn't the same level of outcry is because something is done. So, you know, when Johnny kills or shoots or fights or involved with a fight with Tyrone, uh, Johnny's, Johnny's arrested within three or four days. And what we don't see is the same level of responsible behavior happening towards those who are involved in the judicial system. Like, for instance, if I take somebody into custody, you know, I take custody of a child and that child is abused in my custody, I go to jail. I get charged. I get looked into. I get investigated. But when somebody's taken into custody and something happens to that person, systems have been pushing ways to make sure that that agent of the system is protected. And so there is no need in most cases for us to jump up and rally because the appropriate steps have been taken. And I think that's what one of the things that um, her argument really doesn't stand well upon. So I would say Let's look at people who have similar values to Sister Candace and use them to translate the opinions, the values of the system or the challenges that we have so we can better understand those challenges. In other words, we don't need her to stop speaking. We don't need her to speak less. We need her to speak more. 
we need her to speak more so we can have a better understanding of what we're truly working to change. All right. So is she a traitor or a translator or both? I think both. I think both. And we need her in that position and we need more people like her to come forward so we can get a better understanding of what we're dealing with. So just a quick thought, just a quick, you know, just a quick thought. I might be wrong. I'm probably wrong, but I think I'm on to something. As we focus on the empowerment agenda, which means that we're going to for the next 10 years, 2020 to 2030 and beyond, but at least focus for 10 years that we're going to look at ways that we can use our attention resources. We can use our mental resources. We can use our fiscal resources. We can use our spiritual resources and we can use our political resources in ways that empower us. And if those strategies, those resources, um, not the resources, but the platforms we're using aren't serving us, that we need to look at doing something different. In other words, I, I once had a person tell me, um, you know, ask me if I really enjoy the church I went to. And at that time I said, no. And they said, well, you know, if you're not being fed in that environment, you need to find another environment that feeds you. So spiritually, if the houses of worship that we're putting our resources into aren't focused on empowering us, we might need to get fed someplace else and feed someplace else all right politically the strategies that we've been using if they haven't been effective then we need to do something differently if the parties that we have been supporting haven't helped to solve our problems maybe we need to do something different if the way we spend our money doesn't make us wealthier let that sink in if the way we're using our financial resources is not making us wealthier, let's do something different. That's what the empowerment agenda is. And when it comes down to voting, you know, we're looking at an open hand process where we realize that there are people who cannot vote. We realize that people who are not going to vote. We realize that there are people who are going to vote on agenda. There are going to be people who vote um, independently and people who are going to vote based on a party. So we have this five fingers in our hand. Well, we need those who are not able to vote to support us in other ways. We need those who are not going to vote to register to vote so that their silence, their absence can truly be felt and measured. We need those who are independent to start looking at you know all the candidates that they're looking at and line them up on the agenda that we're pushing forward. We need those who are agenda-based to really be strong about pushing and delineating the agenda, the litmus test that these candidates and seated politicians will be judged by. And those of us who are uh, involved in parties, you know, blue no matter who, or red, enough said, whatever, you know, if you're involved in either one of those, um, we need those individuals to be pushing to their seated politicians and candidates what the agenda is and saying, hey, you know, I want to support you because I'm this or I'm that. 
but to get the support that you need, you need to get on board with our agenda. All right? Yeah. That's our approach, our five-fingered approach, our open hand. We can become empowered by doing that. And we need people like Sister Candace to keep talking so we can really get a thermometer, uh, uh, get a measurement, get the temperature, the opinions, the values of some of the things that we need to change. And after we've made those changes, then if we want to ban it, you know, that's up for discussion. But at this point, I would say we need people like her to state what she stated so that we know exactly what we're dealing with. All right. Just a thought. You guys be peace. Stay fly. And hold the line. Stay fly. 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 The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. Stay conscious. Stay fly.